Hello and welcome to the Crochet Circle podcast. This is episode 62 and it is called Breathe. Because <laughs> I can finally breathe. Um, hello, hello, how are you all doing? I hope you're well. Um, for those that are listening, those that are watching, you already see that there's a difference. For those that are listening, I have a cat who sat on the dining room table. Dining room? On the dining table. Uh, which is naughty in itself, but I'm kind of letting him away with the few bits and pieces at the moment because we've moved and um, we're just being a bit gentler on him than we maybe normally would be. Um, but it's been ages since we had Pom as a podcast, so it's actually quite nice to have him in. But he's a bit annoyed with me because I just picked him up and his tail is flicking, so... Apologies if you can hear that on the audio because there's a lot of tail swishing going on. But Pom is here. Um, hello, hello, hello. As you can see, we are in the new house, which is about time. <laughs> it feels really nice to be here. Um, yeah, it's it's good. We moved in about, not yet, two weeks ago on the 22nd. So my, like, my brain is addled. I just don't know what day it is. I think today's Thursday. It's not, it's Wednesday. Yesterday I thought was Monday, it wasn't, it was Tuesday. Everything is just all over the place. So we moved in just under two weeks ago and uh, we are getting there. I'm going to add a photo in so you can see what I am podcasting in. So the view that you are seeing is this lovely kind of creamy wall with some shelving up with some nice cookery books out. The cat is on the table, everything looks lovely and homely like we're all settled in the reality is i am absolutely surrounded with boxes and stock and just there's stuff everywhere i spilled coffee and coffee beans this morning on the floor i don't know where the broom is and i don't know where the dustpan and brush are so they're still on the floor just kind of kicked them into a pile on the side the place is an absolute mess but I have carved out this little space for me to come and podcast in, so this is the bit you're seeing, but I'll add photos so you can see the actual reality of the um, situation rather than my kind of insta-sham <laughs> of what you're seeing here. So I've got quite a lot for you today, um, including got Finals Destination, some en route. Um, I have some interview snippets with Alison Chu from Mood It magazine. How exciting is that? It's so exciting, I just did little grabby fingers. Um, we've also got Feeding the Habit, one big Feeding the Habit, um, Designs in Progress, some quick news beats, and a Shador for you um, for February. So, I just also wanted to say a quick thank you, because, um, again, for those of you who are watching, you'll see that there were hopefully some extra bits at the beginning of the video. So... For all of my lovely patron supporters, you may um, remember a while back I said that what I was doing was keeping all of the money aside and I had a big de-stash a few months ago and I kept that money aside after I'd paid for the new car windscreen because Matthew managed to smash it up. Um, and I've been saving all that money up and just after Christmas I managed to buy a second-hand Macintosh. <laughs> Which means that I can finish recording this um, podcast and I can go straight to my Mac and I can edit 
podcast on my Mac and I don't have to wait for Matthew and he doesn't have to get annoyed by me taking up all the space on his Mac with all of my videos and photos. And I just wanted to say thank you. You have no idea how much easier you have made my life and my ability to actually deliver um, this podcast. It's making a huge difference and it's opening up all sorts of extra things I can do. Maybe add in snippets of what I'm up to during the month because I don't just have this very quick timeline that I've got to get the podcast edited to minimise my impact on Matthew and the household. So thank you very, very much. It's huge, massive to be able to have my own Mac and to um, yeah be able to do my thing. And yeah, I mean, it's years old and... Uh, but the gentleman that I bought it from was lovely and it's in amazing condition. And I found it on Facebook Marketplace. Um, so I'm just well over the moon because I didn't, you know, a new Mac for the standard that I've got here, although that is from 2013, I think. So, you know, it's a good few years old. Um, the equivalent of that would be £2,500 these days. I did not spend £2,500 on it. Not even a fifth of that. So... Um, yeah. Thank you. Right, shall we crack on and get into it? We're going to start with Final Destination and I've got a couple to show you. Um, I, th I think we might be getting Pomcat all podcasts. You seem quite happy and settled there now. Right. Oh, the swishing has started. A um, couple of things to show you. Uh... First up, maybe should have picked the bits off it because it's been well used, this blanket. First up is a huge blanket, which is the Strata blanket. And you're going to look at this and go, eh, what? <laughs> These are face colours? Fechosis colours? You what? But actually, they're all very autumnal. It's just that they're autumnal and very clashy. <laughs> I love it. So it's a huge striped blanket and it has... Um, a border and then it also has a kind of macrame fringe on two of the sides as well. It's very unlike me. Um, this is in the current issue of Inside Crochet that has just come out on the day that this goes live actually I think, Friday the 5th. And um, yeah it was a shock to me when this one came through my design idea. So the colours, the reason they're so clashy is because there is a dark to mid purple, a bright raspberry pinky red, and a very earthy rusty orange. And they're all striped together and the border is the rusty orange and the macrame woven ends are also on the rusty orange. But oh, I, I actually love it. And I've got a friend who comes and bubbles with us and every time she sees it, she goes, I can't believe you chose those colors. <laughs> Because on face value, you know, each of those colours are my colours, but to put them together, they are so brilliantly clashy. I love, I actually love them. So this whopper is the Strata Blanket, and like I said, it's in issue number 132 of Inside Crochet, which I've added link into the show notes because you can get a digital, if you're not UK-based or you're struggling to get out to newsagents at the moment, um, it's available digitally as well. Now the yarn that I used for this is actually 100% wool. It is West Yorkshire Spinners Retreat 
and let me just show you it's a roving yarn which means that it is one strand with a light twist in it i really enjoy crocheting with roving because you get amazing stitch definition from it it's not fighting with the ply you just get really nice stitch definition and the um the whole premise of strata is for it to not just be a striped blanket it's not just dependent on the colors there are actually um different stitches used so what one of them is a slip stitch which gives you um like a like a knit stitch on its side and then I've also used waistcoat stitch, which gives you a knit stitch vertically. So I'm kind of playing with those V stitches vertically and horizontally. And I'm just, I'm really chuffed with the outcome. And um, it just looks a bit different. It's not like your standard double crochet or half treble, um, half double crochet blanket. It's just a little bit more textured than that. I'll add some close-up shots so that you can have a look at it. But I really love this stitch. Keen folks amongst you might remember a bag that I was talking about last podcast, which is called the Strata bag. And that will be lending on very similar stitch that I've used in this because I really like the texture and the pattern that it creates and also the density of the fabric that you get with it. So this is done on a whopper of a hook. I think it was a 7 mil or a 6.5 mil so it works up really quickly and you get really good drape with it so if you can't get West Yorkshire spinners where you are although um, it is widely available and you can get it in quite a few places um, then you're looking for something that is about 140 meters per 100 grams that will give you that nice big drape and I would say if you can get something that's roving based as well then definitely worth a play with it especially if you've never tried it before it's um it's really delightful to work with and i think it's one of those yarns that actually is much easier to crochet with than it is to knit with because knitting needles are more likely to poke through the yarn and split it because it's got such a loose um twist on it whereas with your crochet hook you're far less likely to actually go through and split it um, if you've not tried this yarn before, I would say go and give it a go. It's 100%. It's um, Keddy Hill, I think. Let me just double check my facts. Da, 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 da. Yeah, it's Keddy Hill. It's blue-faced Keddy Hill sheep. They are... Um, the fleece is from the UK and it's spun in the UK. And it's warm. Like, the difference... If I have this on my lap and then if I take it off, it's like an arctic breeze is suddenly hitting my legs, whereas while it's on my lap, oh my word, it's so comfy. It's also a favourite of the cats, which is how you know when you've made the right thing and he likes it. Oh, I'm sorry. He's just given you a little bomb shot there. Is that what you wanted? I don't think so. Right, you're being a minx. Off you go. Goodbye. Yeah. Um... The other reason that I wanted to use this yarn is because it is uh, British wool and it's £6.50 for 100 grams, which personally I think is a really good deal for um, British wool. It's not a lot of money for what it is, given that it is UK grown and UK spun. And it works up so quickly, it's a really good quick project. And I just, you know, macrame fringe. 
with crochet. I think macrame and crochet go really beautifully together. And you can take it down that kind of bohemian look, but I also think it's quite easy to give it a more modern twist. And hopefully that's what I've kind of done with this blanket. It just reminds me of like summer sunsets just and warmer weather. And even though it's a big snuggly blanket, like I can imagine being out at our fire pit as the sun goes down with the gin and tonic in hand and this wrapped around my legs in the summer. Oh, can't wait. Um, for those of you that are thinking about this blanket as well and worried, I have also pulled together a huge um, photo tutorial for how to do the macrame fringing, which appears in Inside Crochet. I'm really pleased. It's one of the things that they're doing is focusing on how um, they can use more photo tutorials and charts for patterns to better get um, the idea of the pattern across. And um, I'm all for that. The, you know, I'm a visual learner, lots of us are. And so the ability to have photo tutorials in our patterns is just huge. Right, I think I'm about to be clawed. So my second finished object is Positivity Spiral Hat. This has really been done as a companion piece for the Positivity Spiral Cowl that I did. That is such a popular project. It's just, I'm, I'm a bit bowled over by it, to be honest. Um, a lot of people have made it, a lot of people buy it. And so I thought it'd be really nice to do a hat that goes with that. And then eventually I can sell it as a set or as two individual patterns. Um, unlike Positivity Spiral, which has got, I do it from lace weight all the way up and through. My plan isn't to do that with this. I will probably go from four ply sport weight, maybe up to an iron, and that's it. Um, so it has the same stitches as the Positivity Spiral Cowl. And what that means is that they've got a slight slant on them, which I really love. And I really like how that slant works up in the crown as well. It just, it's one of those patterns that was a bit of a beast to do. And it took a lot of thinking time when I didn't have a lot of thinking time when my brain was really mashed with house stuff. But it eventually came good and came out of my noodle brain. But it wasn't one of those that just flowed off my hook. I had to put it down, think about it, put it down, think about it, and then finally got to the end part of it. It used, I think it was about 60 grams, and the yarn that I used was River Knits new base which is called Nain um, and that is their new it's Blueface Leicester which is grown and spun in the UK and it no longer has superwash on it so their old version of that base was British Blueface Leicester that had um, a superwash treatment on it but it was actually spun in Peru and so what they've done is brought the base um, in as a, a UK made and manufactured base and without the superwash and I can tell you there is a world of difference. I often think that when you've got like the merino nylon or the superwash yarns they're all very structured and there's nothing dif like different about them. You don't get any extra lumps and bumps and they don't smell sheepy and they're very formulaic and very very samey. This is a world of difference from that. I really enjoyed working with this. It's soft, it's got drape, 
Um, it's got a bit of fuzziness to it because it's not having all of the fibres compacted in and kept in by the superwash. It smells sheepy, which, you know, kind of what I want from wool. And, um, yeah, it was really delightful to work with on my hook. Loved it. So I'll pop some photos in the show notes of me looking gawky and wearing it. But I just, I love it. And it's, this is the style of hat that suits me. Like, I took a beanie hat is the hat that suits me. I did have a big pom-pom on it, and I I just look ridiculous in a pom-pom, and they don't suit me, and I'm not that keen on them on hats. I can see how they suit other people, and they look cute in them, but honestly, I just, I just don't. I hate them on me. I hate the way they wobble on my head. I could never make a, do, a good enough pom-pom, just they look ridiculous. So this one is going pom-pom-less. The only pom-pom I need in my life is uh, this little black beast that is purring to my right. So what I really love about this hat is that I designed it and created it as part of the Mood It magazine Kickstarter. If you haven't heard about Mood It magazine, honestly, it means you have either not been on social media or you've been living under a rock for the last week because Alison Chu um, started the Kickstarter to get Mood It magazine, which is a high-end crochet magazine with indie spirit up and running. I'll go into a bit more detail about the actual magazine um, in a little bit because I'm to talk about it properly and I have some interview snippets for you but until then this hat pattern is part of the kickstarter reward campaign for any of the tiers that are £55 and up. So as with both of the patterns that I have shown off today they will become available as actual patterns. Probably um, Positivity Spiral will be first because um, it just will, because I'll get the rights back to that more quickly. And then the blanket will come, but that's kind of, that's a few back in the list of all the other patterns that I need to go out, like um, Storm and Rainbow needs to come out before Strata Blanket. So I will work away on that. So the patterns I'm showing you today will eventually become available across all of my normal sales channels. But yeah, love this hat. And um, I had offered to send it to Alison for photography and we ran out of time and I said I would photograph it and I'm so glad I did because now I've got it as my winter hat and it has been used rather a lot. The colour that I made the hat in is called Summer Liquor Nachtimal and um, I've provided links in the show notes for it. It's quite a deep teal, it does have a slight variegation in it but not a lot. So it's a deep teal that goes into a really dark teal and back down to a mid teal. But it's um it's quite a subtle variegation. It's not a really in your face one. Um and it is perfect for this hat because you've got patterning in, in the hat so you don't have the colour fighting against the um the stitch pattern in it. I often think it's a pity when highly variegated yarns are used in patterned elements as well because you just 
they're fighting against each other and I don't often feel that they complement each other. So I tend, as a designer, I tend to try to stick to plainer yarns for something that's patterned and then go to something that is a bit more variegated for something that is a plainer stitch pattern. So moving on to en routes. Um, I just, I have one largest project that I'm working on at the moment and I chose it specifically for this time because I don't need to think a lot about it and you'll see why in a moment. So for a long, 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 long time, so for far too long, I have had a little parcel sitting to the right of our old city which has um, little nuggets of all of the 72 British breeds. British sheep breeds, I should say. Oh, so sheepy. And I was sent these by Zoe from The Wool List. Now, Zoe did a four-year PhD where she studied all of the 72 breeds. And she looked at micron counts and what was suitable for what design. She split it down into the different um, breed groups that there are. And... Um, you know, she really. She, I would say that she's probably one of our foremost experts on British breeds in the UK. And she's so lovely as well. Really likes her. We have a lot of time for her, and her passion for British breeds just absolutely shines through. So I've known Zoe for a good few years now, and um, we were stand buddies a couple of years back. And when we got talking. She had all of the British breeds as a knitted swatch, but not as a crocheted swatch. And so I offered and said, if she can get me all 72 nuggets of all 72 British breeds, then I would do her some crocheted swatches. And that's exactly what she did. But I have now had them for almost a year and it is time to get them back to her crocheted up. And um, so I've started and what I've been doing, just so you know, this is leading into a bigger thing because, you know, it's not a selfless act for me to say, I will crochet up all of the British breeds for you. I think it's a really rare thing to have the opportunity to have all 72 British breeds at your disposal. I can't imagine there are too many people that have worked with every single one of the 72 British sheep breeds. And I think it's probably even... Well, I mean, it will be even fewer people that have crocheted with them. And so what I'm doing is using this experience to jot down how I feel about all of the breeds from a crocheter's perspective. And so what I'm doing is I'm creating with every breed, I am creating two little swatches. So Zoe only needs a five centimetre by five centimetre swatch. And that's what I've done. I've used um, herringbone half treble because I think it shows really good stitch definition and it doesn't use up as much yarn as a double crochet does. And I think it's a nice way of showing up the beauty of crochet because ultimately Zoe's going to take these samples out when she goes and does yarn shows. She has a, an information stand that she takes out and she also sells her own bits and pieces with her stationery and her kits and things that she makes. So ultimately, like my goal is that Zoe is taking out crochet samples as well for the 72 breeds, but also that it's maybe a stitch that people haven't seen before and go, oh, 
that's crochet and it engages in another bit of conversation. And then what I thought I would also do at the same time, given that I have this opportunity to work with all of them, I have also created a tag for every breed that I'm working with. So what I've done is put down what category it is. So the one that I'm holding up is Cheviot. The other one that I'm holding up is um, Blueface Leicester. So I'm putting down the category, the breed, my initial feeling of it before I've even worked with it. So while it's in its little yarn nugget, um, how I think it's been processed. So for the Cheviot, I've said that it's um, three ply and I think it's machine spun. Um, I'm noting down what the colour is. So for the Cheviot, I'm saying this is quite a white wool. And for the Blueface Leicester, I'm seeing that that is quite an oatmeal cream colour. So I'm noting the differences. I'm also taking photos of every single one of the 72 breeds in their nugget state. And I will also be then re-photographing them with their swatch as close-ups. And the ultimate goal for me, beyond sending the swatches to Zoe, is to also pull together some blog posts of the different sheep breed categories that other people can then use from a crochet perspective. So I'm also seeing what the stitch was that I used, what the hook size was, and then at the end of um, the swatches, I'm noting down the words that come to mind when, um, when I've finished working with them. So for instance, for the Cheviot, I've said that it's plump, bouncy, soft, defined, and contained. For the Blueface Leicester, I've said that that was soft, delightful, drapey, shiny and lovely. So these um, these words are ones I will attach to each of the sheep breeds within the blog posts as well. Now, obviously, this is very heavily caveated that um, one, one wool is not the same as the next wool. And that... Um, you could have, the best for instance I can give you is I absolutely adore North Ronaldsy yarn, um, North Ronaldsy wool that comes from Orkney that has been spun by the mill on North Ronaldsy. I don't know how they do it, I don't know what they do, but it is the softest, most beautiful North Ronaldsy wool I've ever touched. And it is some of the most beautiful wool I have ever touched. I then, about a year and a half ago, went to a yarn show and felt some North Ronaldsy wool from the Breed Society that I think had been spun somewhere in Middle England and grown somewhere in Middle England. And it was a totally different wool. So you can have the same breed, but it can feel completely different depending on where it is that it's been processed and where it is that it's been grown, what its diet is, climate, all sorts of factors will play into how that wool eventually um, is spun, processed and how it feels in your hand. So obviously the comments I'm making are specific to the yarn wool that I have been working with. However, there is some like crossover to the breeds specifically I would say um, but my plan is because I've done two of each is that I will also have these breed swatches available when I start yarn shows again so if you wanted to come and have a feel of a breed 
then I will have them tagged up and swatched up and available probably again in their categories so that you can come and have a play and feel what it is. So maybe before you um, wanted to go and buy or search out a different type of breed or you're looking for a specific stitch definition, if I'm at that show vending, then I will have the British breed selection with me as well. Um, obviously, if Zoe's there, then go and see her first. But she isn't, and I am. Then I will have these with me. I mean, ha 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 ha. When is that going to be that we're back in a yarn show? Because most of the ones in the UK for this summer have been cancelled, if not moved to online. The next big one that I can see maybe happening is Yarndale, but unless I've been vaccinated and... I'm safe and not carrying and not going to put other people at risk then that's a no-go for me so like heavily caveated at some point in our future I will be at a yarn show and I will have the 72 breed swatches with me so that is my en route I'm almost halfway through those 72 breed switches it takes a lot longer than you would think to do two little swatches and to write up the notes and do the photography and everything but like what an opportunity to be able to do that I'm just I feel really lucky and fortunate that this is um, this has been an opportunity that I've been afforded by Zoe because some of these breeds are not that easy to come by and quite a lot of the swatches that I've been uh, that I've made have been worked up from hand spun yarn as well so I don't know where Zoe's been getting them from but I think it's all over the place. There are certain twists and certain um, plies that I can see and I recognise the mill that they've come from. So I can see um, certain breeds have come from the same place and I think there are kind of three main mills that she has been getting stuff from. Um, so you start being able to identify different bits and pieces. More on this, and like I say, this is all really leading towards some quite in-depth blog posts um, and really stuff that you can reference between my blog posts and Zoe's website, which I've linked to in the show notes because it is full of information. If you're breed-specific and if you have got queries about breed-specific wool, I would use Zoe's website as um, a first port of call. Okay. On to interview snippets with Alison Chu. So um, I'm adding some little bits from the interview. The full interview is fully linked in the show notes. That is now available on YouTube and also on Podbean as a standalone interview. We recorded this at the end of January, so just before the Kickstarter campaign started. That was when she had a target of 10,600 to reach to get issue one off the ground. She also had a stretch target and then she added another stretch target. And as I was typing up the show notes, the current amount was £18,750, which I believe is the crochet community saying we have been underserved uh, by the industry for too long and we want more. We want more crochet content and we want different crochet content. Um, I've been messaging Alison every now and then saying, oh look, you're going to have to make a magazine. <laughs> what I actually did was plagiarised Hamilton and said, okay, so you're doing this. 
um, because it became very obvious on day one of the Kickstarter that it was going to be fully funded and some and I am so excited for her and I am so excited for us as crocheters to um, finally have an indie high-end publication and as I said in the interview this isn't to denigrate the other crochet um, monthlies that are out there they've got a job to do and they do it really well this is something different this is like coffee table publication this is something that is very tailored to um I don't know, just like the high-end, bespoke nature of crochet and as Alison puts it, a crochet magazine with indie spirit. And yeah, I'm very excited by it. So snippets are coming up now of our conversation and then if you want to see the whole thing, it's about 32 minutes long. All linked in the show notes. Um, it would be really lovely because some people may not know you and um, kind of uh, your background. It'd be really lovely if you could start off by telling us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So, well, as you mentioned, I host the Keep Calm and Carry On podcast with my mom, um, where I crochet and she knits. So, really representing the crochet there. Uh, and crochet has pretty much been my main hobby since we began that podcast and a little bit before in 2000. 17. Um, I'm originally from the States, as you can probably tell from my accent. You do not have a Scottish been... accent. <laughs> no. Um, <Yet>. yeah, although, <laughs> you know. <laughs> or yeah, in no way from this part of the world. Um, but I've also started designing a bit. Um, I had a design that was shortlisted in the Unravel Design Competition, which is really exciting for me because that was sort of my first sort of serious foray into the design world. Um, and I've now had a design published in Crochet Now last month, which is also really exciting because it was my first garment as well. Um, don't know why I decided to tackle that. As a say, sort of you went in at the deep end. First one out the traps into a magazine was a garment. That's yeah. that's huge. I don't know what obsessed me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I've been here in, in Scotland for four years. I absolutely love it. Um, but I've also lived in London before. Uh, I actually did a, a master's degree in publishing while I was living there. So I was there for about a year and in Boston before here. So kind of all over the place. Uh, but yeah, Boston, um, I was working in publishing as well. So sort of connected to that master's degree that I did in London. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's how I ended up here. Um, so, it's your interest in publishing and your love of crochet that's really led to us having this conversation. So that feels like a good point for diving into what your new project is. Yeah, so it is a new crochet magazine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so excited about this. Tell us uh, more. Yeah, so that's pretty much the basics of it. It's going to be a new crochet magazine. And it basically comes from the fact that I've picked up other sort of craft magazines that are pretty much all knitting based. And I, I don't knit on the podcast. It, it is really just my mom that knits. I've maybe knit two things in the last five years. So I am really just a crocheter. Um, so I want, I wanted to make a magazine that I want to buy, yeah. which is to say like those sort of indie knitting magazines are just really gorgeous, like um, thick, 
uncoated papers, like beautiful photography, like really nice in the yarns. I wanted that, but for crochet. And it just it doesn't really exist out there. Uh, I can't so that... think of anything globally that fits that niche. Um, obviously, as you've said, there are some for knitting. I can't think of anybody that is producing something that's purely for crochet. Yeah, and particularly, I think, printed as well. Um, I think there's a few sort of websites or online magazines that are kind of doing that sort of thing, but it is all digital. Um, and I think there's just something really, really special about having something physical to kind of touch and flip through. And yeah, I think I think as, as crocheters, we are really tactile. We like touching things and to be able to hold a magazine is just a really nice experience. And this the smell of it as well, like proper beautiful pages and it just yeah there's something really special about having something tangible in your hands yeah um and i think particularly as well with you you were sort of like indie magazines where it's printed on that particular paper it's extra tactile it's it's not the thin sort of glossy pages of of your sort of commercial magazines yeah. which you know have have their own place but it is just less of a experience i feel like to flip through those um so what can crocheters expect to see in murit yeah so like other magazines it'll be like 10 to 12 patterns but the emphasis will be on garments and accessories so jumpers and cardigans and tops and shawls and mittens and cowls and scarves um and i, I want the designs to be quite modern and sort of using scotland as a background of inspiration generally generally speaking um but i think really pushing that sort of you know i think there's a tendency to equate modern to like clean and minimal and, and yeah. in terms of aesthetic and i think there's an element of that but i think just as well exploring all that crochet can do and just dispelling rumors or not rumors but ideas that crochet garments aren't as nice as knitted garments and, and whatnot. Um, and I think as well, the Scottish climate will begin to dictate the type of design. So the idea is that it'll be published twice a year. So you've got your autumn, winter and spring, summer. And for the spring, summer issues, because it only gets so warm here, you won't really see necessarily, you know, halter tops and bikini cover-ups and things like that. They'll still be sort of Scotland summer appropriate. Um, so maybe a bit more uh, cotton, but a little bit more coverage, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and with that emphasis on garments and accessories, there'll be slightly less of your amigurumi and blankets and homeware, just because I think there's already so much of that sort of thing that you can find. And I kind of wanted to, to limit the scope of the magazine to be very specific and to be focused, you know, um, and I would say from doing the podcast, and I don't know if you get the same from your uh, viewers and listeners, there's a real wish for more crochet garments in particular, but very wearable ones um, where the sizing go, you know, is inclusive and um, it takes into account all sorts of body shapes. So is that part of the ethos of the magazine as well? Yeah, so definitely wide ranges of sizes, um, I think. I think I mentioned about 30 inch to 62, at least that sort of range that you're looking at. Um, but as well, I want to introduce a sort of digital element to the print magazine 
on top of having the sort of PDF version, I think introducing a an extra digital element could have the possibility of opening up those sort of size inclusive, you know, areas where maybe other magazines, they, they, they might be limited by page space. But if you start to publish things on a digital platform, you've got like unlimited space. So whether that's just having lots and lots of instructional photos or um, stitch count charts, that sort of thing, which doesn't necessarily need to be in the magazine could go online. Um, and I think that's a really clever element. And I can't think of any other publication that's doing that, certainly within the knitting crochet sphere. So I think that alone makes Murit a real standout publication. It's it's such like it is very me, I think. I mean, considering that, you know, I do the, the web design for BIPOC and Viber, I love fiddling around with code and thinking about, you know, online things. So yeah, it's definitely up my alley. Does that then also lead itself in for um I'm thinking about reading apps for people that have visual impairments. So does it link through to that side of things as well? Yeah, so I've actually already had a meeting with an accessibility consultant about how to introduce accessibility into the magazine. And I think it, it'll be, it makes sense. If I'm gonna think about it, I might as well build it from the start because you know if I start building the magazine without thinking about it and then having to retrofit things into accessibility. So I've talked to the consultant about both sort of general visual impairment, whether that's like large text, but also making a standalone version that would be screen reader compatible. So for me, that will look, I'll need to do a bit of training on how to create those sort of templates and, and whatnot and work with a consultant as the process you know, unfolds. But this is definitely something that I'm hoping will be released at the same time, if not you know, a little bit after getting the first issue out is having a separate standalone addition. Um, I think that I think the crochet community itself has been looking for something like this for a long long time. I think what might take a little bit longer is for the yarn shop side of things mm. to catch up to where and how vociferous crocheters are about this and what it is that we want because I still feel like we're being underserved. Definitely. So I'm hoping that this publication will help to pull up what's available for crocheters in the yarn shops as well. I actually think it's a much bigger thing than potentially even you think it is. I think this could be huge for crochet globally. I think yeah. you're going to set the bar. I guess, yeah, I mean, just you mentioning about yarn shops, it is like, hopefully the magazine will sort of be, yeah, like a, sig a signal to yarn shop owners that, I mean, the crocheters are there, not only are they there, but they've fund, you know, helped fund this magazine. They want this magazine. They, this is the kind of content they want. I'm just thinking about going into yarn shops and, you know, you got your crochet bookshelf and your knitting bookshelf. And it's always, I, I look at all the stuff on the knitting bookshelf and just think, why isn't, why don't they have books like that? But for crochet, why is it just learn how to crochet for beginner books? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I am really excited. It just, talking about it now as well it just makes it seem more real and I, I put into mind of when we were doing BIPOC and Fiber um, I was interviewed at one point and asked like how I had come about to be part of the project and it was because I messaged Jeanette Sloan and my whole reasoning behind this was that I had it in my head that 
I wanted to ask her this question or, or ask if this resource was going to become a thing. And I kept thinking like, oh no, like she's got enough on her plate. I'm sure she's already thinking about it. Somebody else is already helping her. And eventually I just realized, nah, like why, why not? Like if, what happens if you don't say anything and no one else says anything and it never happens, then it's on you, right? So I feel like with this magazine as well, like I've been sitting here thinking, wouldn't it be great if there was a crochet magazine? And just at some point last year, beginning of last year, before that even, just that the little niggling in my head, just thinking, you have a publishing degree, yes. you're a crocheter, why aren't you doing this? So I guess the key question is, how can crocheters best support Moon It magazine? The obvious way would be to back the Kickstarter, to um, donate money if you're able to. The Kickstarter will be running until February um, and you can get rewards for backing, which just as a sort of a perk to say thank you um, from me for believing in the project. Um, so things like uh, yarn, a hat pattern designed by you, it's really lovely. <laughs> um, and even if you can't back financially, which I feel like even without the situation that we're in, I know not everyone would be able to back um, financially anyway, just sharing the project um, and the Kickstarter page on social, on your social media, at your craft group, your crochet group, your knitting group, you know, whatever that may be, just getting the word out there. Um, because even if, you know, and, and even if you do back to share it as well, just because I think trying to spread the word as much as possible, reach as many people just to up the chances that the project gets backed. Um, yeah. and so to wrap up then, Alison, how should people keep in touch with you and the progress on the magazine? Mm -hmm. uh, so there's an Instagram account as well as a Facebook page and they're both more at mag, all one word. So easy enough to, to see all the posts and updates there. But as well, there's a website, which is moreatmag.com. And from there, you can subscribe to the email newsletter. So you'll get all the updates that way as well. And for anyone who would like to email me, it would be hello at moreatmag.com. I'm sure you're going to be inundated with <laughs> I really, um, yeah, I can imagine so many people are going to be interested in what it is that you're doing and um, want to be able to support you as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, the support already has been like absolutely amazing. And like, I, I don't know, I think that there was an element of being nervous to begin with particularly, but just, yeah, having that support and just, you know, des designers like you and you've put me in, in touch with like yarn suppliers as well. And they've been like super supportive. Um, the Border Mill, they, they donated that um, giveaway prize. Like it's just, it's been really, really nice. Yeah, and I think it's worth mentioning again and just for people to bear in mind this is you on your own doing this this is not a full team yeah, yeah when i say it's, we, it's the royal, it we. The royal <laughs> we and you're going to use the experts and you know where you need them like photographer tech editing um accessibility uh person but it's you this is this is your thing you've got the skills but you know we're, t we're talking about an awful lot of work for you to to be able to get this off the ground. So anything that the Crochet Clan can do to support, please do. <laughs> we, I know from conversations that we've had over the years that so many Crochet Clan members have been looking for this magazine for years and years and years. So we now have the opportunity. So let's, you know, do it. Let's make it happen. <laughs>
So although on the back of that interview you can see that our hope was that the Kickstarter would be successful and we now know that it totally has been, I would still say if you're able to, go in and support it financially if you can. Um, and what that means is that gives Alison the confidence to start working towards issue two as well as issue one and monies can be moved over to issue two, which is, you know, what surely we all want. We want a magazine that has got longevity to it that isn't a one-hit wonder. So go in and support it. And um, the other thing is if you can't afford that financially, then hit the like button. Go and um, start following at Mag on Instagram or Facebook. Just generally tell people about Murat Magazine and let them know that you're a supporter of it because we want more. We we want like creme de la creme croce. Okay, on to feeding the habit. I haven't had any wool coming in but we have had one major purchase and uh, it's a house <laughs> so very much my life has been preoccupied with getting the house ready so no wool has come into this house other than the stuff that I already owned and you kind of know that you don't need more wool when the removal team start bringing it in and they go you've got a lot of wool and you're like yeah and they said you've got 13 boxes of it and I'm like they're only the see-through ones that you know are wool. There's more. <laughs> Basically, I was shamed by our removal team that uh, I had so much wool. I don't care. I bloody love wool, so whatever. Like, it makes me happy, and I enjoy it, and it's my livelihood and my hobby. They weren't being mean about it, but there was a very definite counting of boxes and letting me know how many boxes I had. <laughs> Um, so yeah the house has been the big purchase and we are loving it I think we're about 95% unpacked now I mean there's crap everywhere don't get me wrong unpacked doesn't mean tidy or clean like everything needs a clean Um, but we are kind of starting like books are out on shelves this weekend I'm hoping to actually carve out a little crafting space upstairs in the spare bedroom maybe maybe have a place where my sewing machine can sit out permanently that would be really nice um yeah get my wool out and just be reacquainted with it because i have missed it it's been um quite frustrating to know that i've got something that is good for a project or that i need for a project but it's been in storage for five weeks or that um I can't. I just can't physically get to it because it's at the bottom of a massive big pile of boxes. So, like, I'm gonna spend my time this weekend sipping coffee, getting my stash sorted, and getting it back out and having a nice long look at it and just appreciating what I've got. And I'm just, I'm so excited by that. I might do a little time lapse video of me shifting furniture in, shifting furniture out getting wool in, getting wool out and just trying to get the setup right um, because we've um, we've split the phases of this house down into three. Phase one is to sort out this room which is like a dining area, kitchen and lounge through there and it's all in a big L and then just through here is what is now my studio, stock room, shop, storeroom. 
so it's right in the middle of the house which is not ideal um, so ultimately we've got two spaces that we can develop some outside office spaces um, there's a red bit building just out there which used to be the old toilet so this is a Victorian house and um, that we're thinking we'll just develop it all the way down right to the bottom end of the garden and that way that can be become my shop at one end and my design space at the other and then when we come to sell this house it'd be a really nice little summer house or a potting shed so we'll do it so it's got nice crossover and we'll put another office out there which eventually I think Matthew will move into because um, I think the room that we'd put across for him as an office is maybe a bit small but we'll see He'll stay in there for a little while. When the first office is built, I'm having it. It's my space. And then, like, that's phase two, and then phase three will be the next one. So we know where we're at, and my office is going to be in there for a little while, but I suspect it's going to annoy the living daylights out of us, and phase two will happen quite quickly. Fingers crossed. Because, yeah, it's okay. I only set it up yesterday, and like I say, I'm surrounded by boxes, so it might get better, but... I know that I really like having an office and a studio space outside so there is work and then there is home and I like having that distinction even if it's only two metres away so we'll see what happens. That said, for those that are watching, can you see how much light I am bathed in? I have French doors to my left, I have two massive Velox windows over there, there's another window over there. There's loads of light that comes in from the lounge. Like I just, I don't have the ring light on. I've got no lighting on. You can see colours properly. It's just, it feels incredible to be bathed in this much light in our house. It's just lovely. It's got really high ceilings. So, um, yeah, we're we're loving this house and what it's going to be. And I'm loving how much light I have in it. I can actually like photograph things properly it's incredible and you can see me and I'm not gonna have to sort out the white balance it's just amazing <sighs> very excited by all right we've been joined by Captain Naughty Pants again hopefully he's going to behave um let's move on to designs in progress I had such a lovely reaction from you all to my idea of sharing my design process and it was a real split between many of you that just want to see behind the curtain and are intrigued by what goes into designing a pattern and getting it out there and so many of you that are budding designers and maybe just don't know where to start or you've got some design ideas and you're just not sure how to take that forward. So... um. Given that we've just moved house under a week and a half ago, I just, I didn't feel like I could do that segment justice and I would be rushing something out. And what I want to do is a real considered proper job on it that does what it is that you want from it and really gets across what my design process is. And other people will have different design processes. So I'm going to come at it next month and have some proper time on it thinking about how I'm going to deliver that. But one of the things that struck me that would be really useful from all of the YouTube and Podbean comments is 
to maybe have a Zoom session every couple of months, three months, and talk about the elements that I've spoken about within the um, podcast, specific to designing. So that if you are a budding designer, you can come in on those Zoom calls and you can ask questions. And what I was thinking is, um, what I would probably try and do is get some of my design yarn dyeing buddies, like industry friends, in on those Zoom calls as well. So if we're talking about, let's say, um, designing for magazines, I would try and encourage some of my friends who do a lot of magazine designing to come and be part of that Zoom call. So you're then getting more worth from it. So it's not just what I have to say, but you've got other opinions and other approaches to it as well. So that's my plan. Um, But I just need a bit of time to pull all of that together and actually find the wool that I need for the designs as well. Like, I've got them, they're in the house. I'm just not entirely sure where. So I need, I think, just um, a little bit of breathing space to pull that together properly, do it justice and get all of my little ducklings lined up so that I can really deliver something that fits the brief. You know me, I don't, like half-cocked is not what I like to do. I like to be very considered in my approach to stuff and I don't see why this should be any different, frankly. Right, moving on to quick news beats I won't have one for you and that's to say that the February hookup is scheduled and I say scheduled with like again pencil it in very lightly Saturday the 20th of February at 8pm and that's GMT I don't know if you heard that that was Matthew moving and Sunday the 21st at 9am GMT and the reason I'm saying pencil that in is because our Internet here is shocking, like absolutely shocking. Um, basically, we questioned the people that we were buying the house from twice on this and they knew that we had to run like really three businesses from here and they lied about the internet speeds and what they were able to do. So one of them is also an online trainer and they said that the were able to do Zoom training calls from this house no problem and had been doing it right the way through lockdown. Not a chance. We can barely even load up a Zoom page. So that's really frustrating. Um, Hopefully we have got fibre coming in to the premises at immense cost. Um, In the next maybe three weeks, we were told by BT that it would be 45 days. That's four or five, not four to five days. Um, so I can most likely tether from my phone to my tablet but it means I'm running Zoom off my tablet which isn't optimal but I will test it out, make sure I can do it and what it might be is I have my video off but I can see all of you which isn't great but it's better than no global hookup at all so I'll be working up a solution for that before the 20th and if I don't think that it's going to be great then I will knock that one on the head or I will go to a friend's house. I will do something. I will find a way around it. But I'm like, oh, I could even... Is that naughty? I could sit in a supermarket car park. I would still be on a tablet. I could do it from a laptop. I'll find a way. Like, even if it's me sat scamming off McDonald's Wi-Fi, I'll find a way around to do the global hookup. Um, there is always a solution. 
But pencil it in. I might just be in a car with a blanket on my lap using McDonald's Wi-Fi. <laughs> Sat in their car park. <laughs> There's always a way. Um, what else do I have for you? Final one is J'adore. I have found a new podcast vlog that I love. Now, it will not be for everyone, but I really enjoy it. So let me give you the the premise of the podcast first and then I'll tell you what the content warning is. So it's a YouTube channel called Talisbaun and it's a young couple that live in a forest cabin in Sweden and they have pretty much an off-grid life and it's just about them doing up this old log cabin that used to be the summer grazing pasture cabin away from the village. So it's out in the forest with a lake beside it and they have a small holding and it's about their life off-grid um basically running a small holding building a new barn she has gone off and done cheese making courses he's gone and done a charcuterie course they had a baby boy um earlier this year last year and it's just generally about their off-grid life and how they run their small holdings, some of the crafts that they do, um, and doing that in a very off-grid way so they're not dependent on electricity, though they do have electricity from solar. It's just, it's absolutely beautifully shot. Um, Matthias does drone shots, and so you'll get um, time-lapse of Aurora Borealis, there's time-lapse of sunrise and sunset, and just... They put a lot of time and effort into their videos and they are beautiful. Now, the content warning is that they are smallholders and they believe in nose-to-tail practices of being a smallholder. So there will be video content of butchery, of raw meat, of slaughtering, and that is not for everybody. So if that is not your thing and you don't want to see that then this is not the podcast for you because whilst they do put some content warnings in they're not consistent with it so if that's not for you then this is not going to be the channel for you because the content warnings aren't set up there if that isn't something that you mind then um i just think it's a really beautiful depiction of somebody's slower living different way of life and how they are putting that slow living into practice and yeah i really love it especially the detail of the videoing and how beautiful it is like i aspire to be able to create a podcast that looks like that that isn't this podcast by the way but it's something else that i have <laughs> bubbling away as a little i have two ideas bubbling away one is interview based where I actually go out into the field and interview and I would love to be able to do even a little bit of what Matthias manages to get across in the Talisbound podcast. And the other is I think I would really love to be able to document what we do to this house and how we live here because um, I want to have an outdoor cooking range out there. A couple actually, our pizza oven arrived yesterday we want to use our move here as a real opportunity for being outdoor more because we're so indoors with our day jobs. Um, like I want an outside wool and fabric dyeing studio. 
because frankly if you're dying with natural products and you're doing it in the house it absolutely stinks like the nettle dyeing that I did last year was absolutely boffin it was disgusting smelling so I don't want to do that in the house and much rather do that outside so we have lots of plans for this house and it's nearly 150 years old and I would love to be able to document some of what we do here um, because we're going to be here we think for about 10 to 12 years before we sell up and do it all again and move south and retire so it would be really nice to be able to document it this time because I didn't document all the things that I did to the last house and just as a kind of final thing about our new house I'll pop this up on Instagram but um, I discovered from all of the old deeds and all of the sales documents and mortgage documents that we found this is originally it's a semi-detached house and it was originally tied cottages for the estate which is just down there and um, the tied cottages were for the chauffeur and for the estate seamstress and this I believe was the house for the estate seamstress and that just seems so lovely and fitting that somebody who was crafty and into fabrics and sewing and that was their livelihood was in this house. I just, I love that idea. So as soon as we're allowed back into libraries, and I can, I plan to take a little bit of time and research all of the occupants of this house because actually there aren't that many of them. The house is nearly 150 years old. And it hasn't had that many occupants, which makes it even more interesting because people have obviously loved it here and been in the situation to stay here for a long period of time. And I quite like that. It was the same in our old house as well, actually. That didn't have too many occupants. And it was the old farmhouse. And um, given it was 200 years old, there there weren't that many people that had lived there. So quite nice to know just a little bit more about the house and who else has lived here and what they did right on that note I have a purring cat on my lap which probably means it's time for me to give him a little treat and um, I think we're, we're done so thank you very much for joining me um, thank you for being part of my sanity whilst we've gone through all of the house stuff I called this podcast Breathe because that's what I feel I can finally do. It's been, the last 12 months have been really hard. Um, like we've had financial insecurity and it's just been, I've, I've woken up every single day until we moved here with nausea in the pit of my stomach, not knowing what was going to happen when we were going to sell the house, if we were going to be able to sell the house. And that's finally gone. And also, like, really, like, things that I can't control. My hair was falling out, not quite in clumps, but, you know, I lost a lot of hair. And I I don't have that much hair to lose. It's quite thin. And all of that nausea and hair loss has just stopped. So the, like, the stresses of moving house and feeling insecure have all pretty much disappeared overnight when we moved here. So... We are very settled, all of us, including Pom. Um, very happy in our disarray and in our lovely new house. And it's just lovely. So it's time to sort some boxes and breathe some more. So thank you for being there. Thank you for continuing to be part of my community and my support bubble. 
Um, it's much appreciated. Right. We're off. I stroke we because I have a feeling that um, now that I'm podcasting in the house, we might have more podcast back again. Um, so you might see both of us again on the 5th of March. Until then, I will be on Instagram. I'm trying really hard to get on top of communications this year. So I'm trying hard to respond to comments on YouTube and um, Instagram and on Podbean as well. So keep them coming because it's part of my mission for 2021 is to get really good at communications and make sure that I'm being chatty with you all. So until the 5th of March, I shall be on Instagram if you want to come and find me. That's where I will be. Have a lovely month. See you soon. You done? You done too? Mm. You're so cute. There is the pigeon. Don't go get the pigeon. And start. You know how to do this. You've done it 61 times before. Oh, hello. Come on then. Hello and welcome to Crochet Circle. You can't swish your tail on a plastic bag. Nope. Nope. It's totally unacceptable. Stop being a little bugger. Stop it.